This is the audio-only version of MedTwitter This Week. If you're interested in seeing the full video, please check us out on YouTube, Periscope, or Twitter. Let's hit it. All right, guys. So my first tweet, my favorite tweet of the week comes from Dr. Shreya Trivedi. What meaningfully adds to a letter recommendation is, what is that med student like when no one is looking? Because in residency, no one cares about steps, their accolades, Twitter followers, etc. I really love this this tweet, um, this thread tweet, and it actually I think goes together well with my episode from last week with uh, talked to Maximilian Cruz about looking at residency. So to help me talk about this more, I have Dr. Shreya Trivedi. Hey, Shreya. Hi, everyone. Hey, Chris. How are you? Fine, fine. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to um, to talk with me about this. Do you yeah. mind? Do you mind telling me a little bit um, behind the reason of this tweet? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like most most Twitter uh, threads happen when I'm supposed to be working out or doing something else, and I just ran across this awesome University of Arizona um, women in medicine. Their 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 Twitter thread was around how do we decrease bias and letters of recommendations. Very very important. But I think it like it made something in that made me reflect on when I see letters of recommendation, what I find really compelling about them. And I think, um, mo- unfortunately, and cr- correct me if this is also like your experience too, but I find that most letters of recommendation kind of like blend in where you could probably change somebody's name and pronouns and you might kind of see the same kind of thing said about somebody's patient presentations or at the time they advocated for somebody or, um, you know, how they are when they're doing clinical reasoning and things like that, or their accomplishments. Um, And I think one of the few things that really jumps out to me or when I'm writing a letter is I try to think about what is this person like when nobody's evaluating them? Because to me, that is one of the very, very, I don't know, tell me if this makes sense, but like one of the very few specific things that you know this person's going to be a good resident with good integrity. Um, there's very few fa- like false positives when when you you kind of bring out, oh yeah, there was nobody giving him credit, him or her credit for this. Uh, nobody was looking and this person still went above and beyond when nobody told them to. Um, and so I think that is, to me at least, like that's a high caliber person. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's interesting is because sometimes you don't, because no one's looking, sometimes you don't hear or find out about these things. Um, I think one thing that um, happens, I'll get the, so I, I, you know, I had a student, actually it was a group of students and you know, they did something special for one of my patients. They were, we were on inpatient service and a week went by, I didn't know about it, but then the, the senior resident came to me and was like, did you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Oh, I didn't. And that's, that's huge. And of course I brought it up during their evaluations. Cause I, I, I do, I do like to do feedback Friday. So I at least give them a formalized feedback once a week. Um, but um, at the end of rotations, it's definitely something that I try to go over again. So um, it's, but it's hard, right? It's hard to, to, if no one's looking, how does, how right. do we know? This is, the system isn't, I think somebody brought this up in like the Twitter comments too. It's like our system isn't necessarily set up for that, right? Like we need letters of recommendations from attendings. The time you spend with your attendings is on morning rounds and those patient presentations you can practice and perfect. And um, you don't really get to see the crevices of what someone's like when they're dealing with kind of more difficult situations. And I mean, the whole 
to preface this, like med school is so hard, right? Like it's, it's hard when you, f you feel like you're being judged or evaluated. Um, so like, don't want to add an extra thing to throw into the mix. But I think if you can get a glimpse of someone um, who, who, you know, when they're not told or not giving credit for something still rises to the occasion, then I think that's really um, meaningful to highlight. And I actually had a story if I think like to me when it really solidified, like, yes, this is so important to highlight. Um, it was, if you don't mind me sharing. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So if it was actually when I was a senior resident, so I think, I think that's the problem too, is that residents and other med students probably know a lot more about this person than the attending does, but the attending Agreed. has to write the letter of rec. Um, but I was a senior resident and um, we had a patient come in with like profuse diarrhea and it was uh, just pretty, pretty bad that this, this vet who's like classically in clinic, like never complains about pain, never asks for help. He was actually like in tears, screaming in pain because he just had so much dermatitis and irritation around that area from, I forget what was causing his diarrhea, but it was pretty bad. Um, and so our team had decided, okay, like let, let's put a rectal tube in to decrease the irritation around, uh, around that, around that skin. And of course, Everyone in the hospital asked was like, sorry, I don't know how to do it. That's not a part of my job. And I was like, okay, fine. So me and this med student, we YouTube had to put in a rectal tube and we're like, okay, I think we got it. So we go in, we do it. I'm just like so relieved that like the balloon inflated. Like I think it worked. And I, I forget what happened, but like if I got a page or if there was another admission in the ED, but I quickly after that like sigh of relief left um, and mind you, this patient was like in an infection, like a per, infectious, per, uh, infectious, contact precautious. Yeah, I was like, what is this? What, how do you say? <laughs> like, what do I say? Oh yeah, but in a contact precaution room, so there was like two doors uh, with windows, and I I left, and then I realized like, oh, the med student didn't follow me, and so I was like, oh wait. So I went back in, um, and then he couldn't see that I could see him through the second glass door, but he actually was. Um, like cleaning up the mess we had made and putting the rectal tube box equipment back in the trash and cleaning up the area for the patient and the nurse. And it was just such a humbling moment for like two reasons. One for me, because it took probably 30 seconds to clean up that area. And I was just like in my like to do robot mode, but two, like he didn't have to do that. He wasn't going to get credit the next day in his patient presentation that like, Oh, by the way, I spent extra time cleaning up, you know? Um, so I just, I, I like I, my respect for him grew so much more. Like he was already such a great medical student to begin with, and so I actually put it in his evaluation. And sure enough, it made it to his like dean's ERAS application. Um, and every he said like every single he first he had no idea that I even put it in there or that like I'd seen that. Um, but he was like Shreya, every single um, OB/GYN interview I went on everyone brought it up and of course he matched his like first choice and I just was so happy for him but more so like again that like specificity of like this is someone who has high integrity like even when uh nobody's going to give him brownie points for it um and so I just it, it was a good way to like also pay forward like I like I'm so happy that that you are going to be a doctor and how can I help you get there <laughs> So, you know, besides accidentally happening upon seeing these, uh, you know, un, unexpected uh, right. things and then or asking other, you know, your, your residents on the team, like how, how else would you recommend attendings like me to, to find these things out and be able to 
give credit to these students for their letters? I think like one of the one of the things is also just having an honest conversation when uh, you're writing a letter recommendation for someone and, and kind of asking them like, what, what were those meaningful moments for you? And if those meaningful moments are like, I delivered amazing patient presentations and clinical reasons, that, that's okay. But, um, but maybe they'll bring up some of these kind of intangible like, kind of moments that nobody really saw. And I think that could be a good way too. I think Kimberly Manning, a plug for her, she wrote an excellent, excellent tutorial last year on writing a letter of recommendation. Um, and she, she, I think, very much encourages in her tweets, like kind of that back and forth conversation where um, she asked people, what are those like three things that you really want highlighted about you? Um, so I think that's one way. Do you have any other ideas about that? I think it's something that I'm actively kind of no, I, I don't have a great, great way, but definitely open conversation with the student because, you know, even though they're not getting brownie points, you know, brownie points, it doesn't I hurt know. to ask. I, I kind of hate saying that. Right, Sorry. Exactly. It's, it's so hard. Med school is so hard. Like prefacing all of this. It's so hard. It's, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, so, so sometimes, I mean, I, I literally come out and I say during when we're doing feedback, you know, not only do I give them feedback on their things um, and I ask them for feedback on me, I also set the stage in terms of you know, at the beginning of a, in a feedback session, I know we're not, I didn't expect this to become a, a feedback session discussion, but, um, you know, I also, it all goes back to feedback. <laughs> that's true. It's true. I usually preface on, on like, what were the things they wanted to work on? What, but I also not only that, so that if I want to know what they wanted to work on, I can give them feedback on that, but I also ask them what things did they do well, what did they enjoy doing and what are the things that they're proud of? And so, you know, Maybe they may like offhandedly, you know, especially if they're trying to be humble, may not say too much. But then if I catch it, I'm like, can you tell me a little more about that? So that that is one thing that I might try to do. Right. Absolutely. I think I think that's what I, I, I actually I, as a med student, I literally created binders for every single letter writer of mine. And I gave them like three patient scenarios of in case they had forgotten in addition to my CV and my personal statement. And I was probably a little like over-prepared in retrospect. It's like, it's okay. You're going to, you're going to be just fine. <laughs> I, I think that, I think that's actually important is um, I'm actually quite open. So when I, with my, when my students and my uh, residents, when they ask me about letter, letters of recommendation. So the first thing actually I do is when I'm giving feedback, especially into rotation, uh, especially for med students who I know who want to go into like internal medicine or pediatrics, I say, I think you are an excellent student. I actually would be more than happy to let, write a letter of recommendation if you wanted me to when the time comes. So, um, so usually when people ask me for letters, I, it's not a surprise. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I remember I asked them for that. But then when they do ask me or when I'm saying that I'm going to, I would write them a letter of recommendation during feedback or something or evaluation, I say, just know like, uh, Writing letters are very difficult. So, um, you know, what we can do is we, we should also keep in mind things that we wanted to talk about. So e even at that time, like, uh, remember that case, you know, when I was giving feedback, I will remember the case, but, you know, three, four months, half a year from now, I may not remember. It's like, this is something that I want to make sure that we highlight. And then I actually have a Google Docs that I start for everyone I want to write a letter on. And so hopefully I may start a vignette about like some of the things that they did. But then if I don't, I at least make sure that's in my evaluations and I try to get copies of my evaluations later um, oh, on, so that I can look at that. Um, but then, you know, you know, when we're talking about letters of recommendation, I also say I, I want to meet with them. And I think uh, Dr. Manning really sort of emphasizes this in, in, her, in her tutorial that she gave out last year was, you know, during 
when you're writing a letter rec, it's also an opportunity as a mentoring session. So um, she sits down, she, she, she talks to them, what are the things that you want to highlight? But then as I, you know, when I go through things, you know, I look at their personal statement, like, you know, actually, that's great. Your personal statement sort of highlights this part. And then I'll look at their CV and it highlights this part. It's like, what can I do in your letter that I can highlight? And so I write these all as I'm talking to them, because I try to meet with them at least once or twice before I finish my letter. Because, you know, I get writer's block too. So as I'm writing, I was like, you know, oh, I don't know what else to say about this. And I try to meet <laughs> with them a second time. Yes. So I think being open with them, because when you've agreed to write a letter, you want to write the best letter you can for right. them. Now, I know you, we were talking a little early before we started um, recording about what if you have the student, you don't want to write a letter. Oh. How have you, would you mind if I asked you how you've approached that situation? I mean, I could, if anyone on Twitter wants to give me feedback on how to do it better, because I felt so uncomfortable afterwards, but I think the couple of times was when it kind of caught me off guard. It was like on like a week after working with this student um, and, and just feeling like, oh, I, I don't think I got to really uh, kind of see, like work with you enough to write you a strong letter of recommendation. And I think one of the feedback I gave to one, one of the persons I, sa I said, I said, you know, I, I actually think you should ask somebody else um, was, you know, the next time you are on a rotation with someone um, on that Monday or whatever that start day is, give them a heads up that, hey, you know, I'm finishing up my, I'm like, I'm finishing up my ERAS applications. I'm really looking for like a strong one last letter recommendation. I'm really hoping I can uh, like work with you this week to kind of show you um, some of the unique skills I have. And, and then like that person's like on your team and it has that like on their radar. Whereas like, it just caught me off guard. Cause I was like, Oh, I spent like, I think it was such a busy week. I think with that particular medical student, I'd spent like less than 20 minutes a day with, um, and totally caught me off guard. What, yeah, so, I, I mean, so your, so your advice is at least from the medical student or even the resident who's applying for fellowship, like if they're, if they, if they are in their mind, they're like the great Shreya Trivedi from Core IM and all the other fantastic things that she does, she would look amazing to get a letter from. Yeah. I, I should really tell her up front, like, I, only, I know I only have a week with you, but I really want to show you that I am, I am the right stuff and I, really, and I really want to be able to earn this letter of recommendation from you. I just yeah, want you to know. Yeah, because I, I think I would have gone like out of my way in the afternoons or something to, to you know, spend more time with that medical student and um, kind of work on some of, the, some of the issues that he was having over the week. Um, but also I, I, it, I felt really bad because when I was a fourth year med student, I did a, like a dream away rotation at my dream residency program. And at the end of the rotation, I asked for a letter and I got a no. And, it was heartbreaking. And definitely it can be. I, but I have to, you know, I, you know, we sort of talked about this too. I think you just have to be honest with the learner that asks you and you don't feel like you can write them a strong one. Now, it's very possible they may never be able to find a strong letter from anyone, which, which, <laughs> which I think happens. Maybe they just write like three letters a year and they're like, sorry, I filled my quota. <laughs> Right. But, you know, if, 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 a, you know, a student comes, I, I have to be honest, if I, if a student came to me and said, Hey, you know, I would like a letter of recommendation. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't, a lot of times I will say, I will, I do not mind writing a letter of recommendation. I will write from my knowledge and my experience with you. I do not feel that I can write you the strongest letter that I think could be done for you. Um, I would say, 
can you, do you have other people you have in mind um, who could write you a stronger one? And if they're like, no, Dr. Chu, you're, you're the only one I have that I think could write me something, I'll say, I'd be more than happy to work with you. It can also be a mentoring session with them. You know, I can write to, write to the strongest ability that I can because I want to be on any, if I'm going to write a letter, I want to be honest and write the strongest I can with them. Now, if I have a learner who I just don't think is, I don't feel I could write even a good letter. I will just say, I'm sorry, I either, I haven't had enough time to really assess the full benefits and I just don't think I could write. I think you just have to, to be honest with people because the last thing you want is, uh, you also have to tell them like, last thing you want is a bad letter because actually that'll look bad. You know, I, I don't currently uh, sit on admissions for, um, uh, here where I'm at, um, but I have in, at previous institutions I'm at, and I and I remember doing a lot of interviews, and before the interview I'd get a stack, I get a CV, and I get a personal statement, and I get um, their letters of recommendation, and I can tell you there are I've seen many many as you discussed before there are many stock letters of rec, they say the same thing I'm sure they literally just change the name and that doesn't help anyone. Yeah. And so um, I think that is something that it doesn't help you in any way, especially if you want to, if you're really interested in going to a specialty. So, but then again, you know, if the student is not really the strongest in those areas, I think it behooves them then like in terms of mentor session, like what are your strong suits? Like, yeah. so maybe you weren't the strongest while you're on inpatient medicine, but you, you worked really hard. You did like this free clinic or whatnot. Yes. You get a letter from, from that free clinic person who, who helped you with that and, you know, play to your strengths. So I think that that would be the way I would do it and say, I can help you. I can mentor you, but I don't know if I could write a letter for you. I think being honest like that is, is what I would do. Yeah. And have it's done. So, so, so hard, but um, yeah, you've done, you've, you've, I'm proud of you for saying no. I feel you, like, so you, I feel like so you, you haven't would, said no yet. No, no. I mean, I've said no. Oh. But I think I think because I'm I'm more of a novice letter writer, and I feel like I um, I think I I want to write the strongest letter, and I think if if it's going to be a mediocre letter, I I say I probably say no more than I should, but I feel like you're just so kind, you would say yes to everybody. <laughs> well, no, I definitely have said no, but um, but I I think it's it it's always a there's there's always opportunity to teach a mentor, so. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The other one other thing I wanted to highlight that I did, that didn't get highlighted in that twi uh, tweet thread um, in terms of like highly specific things that are going to jump out in a letter that you're like, okay, this is a high quality person um, is if someone says like, I would, I would trust this person to take care of a family member. Um, in addition to like when, when nobody's looking, this person is you know, goes above and beyond and is high caliber. I think that's one of the other things. And I think that maybe with people I've written letters for, I'm like, I would trust that person to take care of. I feel that, that line usually gets in there also. I, and I, I think that's a great line. And I, I don't, I think the reason why it's such a great line as well is because I don't know anyone who would lie about saying that. Right, like you it's, can't. And it's, that is so, which, which is why I think when you're talking to patients about, you know, when they, so, you know, when we're, we're trying to give patients, you know, full autonomy and, and making decisions and you're giving them, um, you know, uh, helping them with decision making, but you're trying to uh, help them, you know, they'll, they will ask you like, what do you think I should do? And, you know, 
I may say I do not know the exact right choice, but if you were my my father or right. my mother, this is what I would do. That's the same reason why it, it holds the weight. Now, I mean, I don't know very many people who would lie about how much they care about their family, but you know, I guess it does happen too. <laughs> oh, yeah, the context. <laughs> That's a good point. Awesome. So um, I'm I'm going to sort of shift up the the script a little bit. So because I think about as well. So do you have any other tweets that you wanted to highlight from from the week? Yeah, there was uh, one from my my dear friend Utube um, on May 26th. And it was his first day of inpatient. And um, uh, the incidences around the country uh, had just, I think, it's now that the week is blurring, um, but it happened with uh, Amy, Coomer, uh, Amy Cooper as well as the police officer sitting on the person's, uh, kneeling on the person's neck. It was so tough. And he, I wrote this great tweet where he talks about his residency days when he remembers the injustices that happened to Freddie Gray and Michael Brown. Um, and he remembers how like things just kind of went on as business as usual. But now that he's an attending, um, he kind of asked Twitter, like, what, what do I say? And I thought it was just such a great tweet, one of reflection of um, what's going on in the world, but also himself now in like a leadership um, role. And how is he going to change, change that for his team? Um, and it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking. Every time, every time I see something like this, and unfortunately we see it more often than we should, it's just, just heartbreaking and so yeah. we have a lot of systemic things that we have to work on but you know I'm I'm hopeful we have such great people in the world who I think can help make a change and you know I think the biggest thing that we can do as physicians as as um, members of society is not sit by and let these things continue to happen and to continue to keep the discussion open and, and make make it known that this is not right and um, even though it seems like we were shouting into, you know, a wind and not no one's hearing us, I think as we continue to do it more and more, it, you know, change will happen. I mean, yeah. change has happened throughout the course of American history, sometimes a lot slower than we want. But I, I feel we have such great people out there, people who are, are forces to be reckoned with and things have to change. And I can only hope, hope and pray that it will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think one of the great things about med Twitter is that we get to learn from each other. Sometimes you kind of feel like um, a little helpless in what you can do to advocate. Um, and so just kind of seeing tweets like this, like, yes, let's take a moment of silence in our rounds. Let's, you know, we can crowdsource from other people. Um, even when it's hard, and sometimes it's really hard to find the words, like, what do I bring up on rounds now as a leader? I want to bring up something. I don't want to just be silent and carry on as business as usual. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a real blessing that we have our community on Twitter. I, I agree. I mean, I think this is something that I've changed a lot in my practice from becoming um, a senior resident to a young attending to, I guess. I'm Are you mid-career now? I, I'm, I'm still a young attending, I feel. But, <laughs> but rounds, is, rounds or even precepting clinic is more than just discussing differential diagnosis and treatment because there's so much more to treating the patient, especially when we're looking as a whole, social determinants, health, everything that we're talking about, like physicians are usually, they don't wanna talk about politics, but I, I do think there's, a, there's ways to talk about social issues that are apolitical. 
even as much as other people may want to politicize right. them. Right. Um, but I think Absolutely. those discussions are important because we are also human and medicine encompasses everything. Uh, social determinants of health, these all affect our own patients and we have to be aware of them and we have to discuss them often with our patients. I mean, just as equally as sometimes we do like their management plan like just like great throw them that aspirin and plavix but like if they live so far away from the pharmacy and can't get it then like or i mean that's we're getting into the weeds of like other social determinants of health but yeah 100 percent. so um i'm just i think we could talk on forever on this and i think yeah. i probably should have you back on again sometime <laughs> Yeah. Were there any tweets you wanted to highlight from the Yeah, week? so I do I do have some I do have some um some honorable mentions and uh I just have so many of them, but I think I'm I'm gonna narrow it down to um actually probably probably just, actually it's it's one topic but but multiple tweets. So it it was really a, a recent um uh clinical problem solvers um where I think I think it was day 57. They've gone over 50. It's amazing that they're doing these virtual morning reports that, you know, the guys over there, you know, my buds, Reza and Robbie and everyone else. And Moses. It was Moses. Yeah. I think it was Moses who like led the idea. It was awesome. Awesome med student. See, that should make it in his his letter of recommendation. (laughs) Nobody asked him to go forth with it, but he, that's amazing. And so the, the recent uh, virtual grand rounds was uh, May 27th, which on recording was just yesterday. You know, it was about, um, I think, a presentation of seizure, but they ended up being uh, long, uh, prolonged QT syndrome. Oh. And so not only that, uh, was that a great virtual morning report, but then Travis Smith, who I think I brought up now three times in a row now, did um, working on a space repetition, did another great thread talking about it. Um, one of my colleagues here at OSU, Vig uh, Dorsawami also had a discussion about long QT, and then Reza also had 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 a tweet thread, and I will I will put those all down in the description on the videos and and thread it in the tweet from this one. But those are that was like one of my favorite things to and it literally just happened in the last two days, and like the collaboration. I think Vig's tweet has over a hundred likes and thirty one retweets. Uh, Travis's had 30, 30 likes and eight retweets, and people are just are just gobbling this up and it's just amazing that we're learning this way um that we're having such i mean now's the time like we're see, now within the age of covid like any type of you know just like in war you know i know we're done with all the war analogies but That's they become crucibles where we make all these great leaps in um in in technology and advancement and medical education is one place and i think between virtual morning reports um and doing uh, podcasting, which we're, we we obviously love, and and we're all definitely uh, we're in in the thick of some research. I know we're all all in part of some of these teams. Um, I, hopefully, these are ways in which we can definitely improve medical education, and this is one of the great things. So I'm so happy to have seen this, and I wanted to highlight that. Yeah, and, and what you're highlighting is that like Vig and Travis, they're they're just they're amplifying, they're adding, they're. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's great to learn from so many perspectives. And so props to them. Totally. So I think we've talked a long time. I just want to make sure that, is there anything you want to plug before we go away? I hope everyone's taking care of themselves. Me too. Me too. But follow Shreya, which you probably, if, if you're watching any of this, you probably already follow Shreya way before me or anything else, but, and also core I am and all the other great projects that she does. I, 
I, I know she's a chronic staple on the Women in Medicine chat on Sunday nights as well, uh, which I, I tend to lurk on and watch because I, um, I think I learn a lot from those as well. So um, thank you for being with me today, Shreya. I, I really appreciate it. It's such a pleasure. Happy Thursday, um, or I guess happy Friday to the, to the, the world <laughs> tomorrow. Um, but take care. All right. And so make sure everyone, so thank you for, for watching along. Like I said, like and subscribe here on Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, you know, follow up Medchwit this week on, on, on Twitter and, you know, subscribe to the podcast whenever it comes up on Apple Podcasts. So thanks everyone. Bye.